Hey, everybody, welcome to this week's sermon. If you're listening on the podcast, the readings were Exodus 33, the story of the end of Moses' life and his looking into the promised land. And then our gospel lesson was Jesus uh, answering a question from his opponents in which he gives an answer to what's the most important commandment. So for podcast listeners, you're set to go. For everybody else, let's get going. Distractions on the way to the promised land. That's our theme for this week. Let's talk about distractions first. They're all over the place in life. So, for example, in the Horner-Eibler household, one popped up. Actually, it kind of flew in on uh, this past Tuesday evening. Anybody remember what the weather was like this past Tuesday? In Milwaukee, we set a record for the latest to have a temperature this high in Milwaukee. So it was 82 degrees uh, in late October. I think where we are up in West Bend, it was even warmer than that. So on Tuesday uh, at about 11.45 p.m., I was getting a little tired and getting ready to go to bed. And so I was thinking, oh, what should I read tonight? Because I always read something at bedtime. So that's what I was thinking about. Barb is like in full gear still at that point. She was going to be up for a while yet. So um, I'm, I'm kind of thinking about what I'm going to read when, when all of a sudden I remember, oh, shoot, I left a tarp outside because I had been doing some work outside. And I thought I should bring it in because the forecast was for rain. So I went to the front door to open the front door to get in the tarp. Now, remember I said it was like the warmest it's ever been this late in October. Guess, guess what that triggered? Uh, it, it triggered the lake flies who normally wait for the first warm day in spring to, to hatch, but apparently some of them decided, hey, it's warm enough, we're going to hatch here in fall. And so thousands, maybe millions, maybe billions of them hatch, and a lot of them were hanging out on the east side of our house, out of the wind, where all of the lights were on. That's, the, that's where I opened the door. So I opened the door for, I'm sure, not even 10 seconds to just haul in this tarp, and guess how many lake flies came into the house while I had the door open for eight seconds or whatever? I don't even know. Way over 100, maybe more. And of course, they all immediately go to the nice white ceiling where the white lights are located, and they're all parked there. And Barb and I just look up at this, and it's just like, it's like wow, that's just amazing. It was a distraction from my attempt to read at the end of the day. So then Barb and I undertake Operation Get Rid of the Lake Flies, which was a little tough in our current medical states. Barb, some of you know, has MS, and as a result, uh, climbing up on ladders with her balance issues, not a super good idea. So we haul out a stepladder. And my problem is, some of you may recall that a couple of years ago, I blew out and had surgically repaired my left rotator cuff. Well, I've now blown out my right rotator cuff, which has not yet been repaired, so I'm having a really hard time raising my right arm. So Barb can't go up on the ladder. I only have one arm. So Barb would kind of hold the the little vacuum cleaner like this, and then I would take the hose and try and vacuum all the lake flies off the ceiling. We did this for over an hour. And, you know, Barb and I, you know, professionals, you know, lots of education between us. Uh, but we were amazed that these lake flies that, lake flies that have absolutely microscopic or possibly non-existent brains, they constantly outsmarted and outmaneuvered us. Uh, and, and finally, when we had captured them all, at the end of the day, I, I didn't read anything. I went to bed physically exhausted and just emotionally spent because I knew we had been outdone by the lake flies. One of life's many distractions. Hey. Hmm. 
So there are good distractions and there are bad distractions. They happen every day in life. They happen while you're driving. You don't want those. They happen because of, we're in relationships. They happen because our own thoughts get in our way sometimes. And, and sometimes distractions are wonderful. Somebody uh, just stops by to talk or drops off a treat or reminds us of something awesome. And the distractions like that are so life-giving. And I'm not sure I need to go into all of the distractions that are difficult and suck us dry and are hurtful. And, and, and that's just in our lives. And then there's our world, the distractions of a war in Ukraine that seems to have no end. And it's just like World War I all over again, trench warfare and people dying for like no reason at all. And, and then you go to Israel, a horrible slaughter by Hamas of innocent Israelis. And now seemingly, maybe not indiscriminate, but, but um, fierce bombing that maybe kills some of Hamas, but it almost surely also kills uh, lots of innocent Palestinian people. Nobody wants this, nobody wants this, but it's, it goes on. And then Maine, this, this wonderful state of our 50 that seems to be the, maybe the only place left that's kind of touristy, but it, it still seems, even in the touristy places in Maine, that it's, it's still more for the locals than it is for the tourists. And, and so this kind of wonderful ethos and peacefulness to it, uh, devastated by this mass shooting. Um, you know, the distractions of our world are everywhere, and so many of them are disheartening and, and scary. There are all these distractions on our way to the promised land. In, in the Old Testament, the promised land is this symbol and also this reality for, for where the people of Israel long to be. And, and then in the New Testament, Jesus changes the vocabulary and maybe universalizes it. And in Matthew's Gospel in particular, talks about the reign or the kingdom of, of heaven, which is, which is what it looks like when God's ways are made real here on earth. And, and like the promised land itself, sometimes it's more of an ideal than an actuality. But I think what Jesus is onto is that it is possible in this life. And we see glimpses or, or even fairly long stretches of it every once in a while. And we all long to get closer to the kingdom of heaven. And, and we long to be less distracted on the way. I think our scripture lessons are, are wise about the, this week. And, and it's Reformation weekend, by the way, on the, on the Protestant calendar. Remember, Protestant means protest. We as Lutherans are named after the original um, protester, not the original protester, but the best known protester, Martin Luther, who on October 31st, 1517, posts 95 theses on the door of a, a church in the university town of Wittenberg, Germany, uh, seeking to just initiate debate on, on what was wrong in the church in his time. And I'm sure at the beginning that was just a distraction to the larger leaders of the church. They, they had no intention of changing, but Luther's actions set off a storm of change, some of it good and some of it bad. Uh, he himself did some things that were amazingly good and also amazingly hurtful at times. Uh, nevertheless, I think we feel proud to be part of his, his theological uh, lineage because he, like the, the reformers, when they were at their best, understood that the church um, doesn't reform once. It always needs to be reforming. Uh, we are human beings. We, are, we never get it all right. Uh, but we should not be distracted by the mistakes we made. We make uh, insofar as um, we constantly mean, need to be drawn forward to our best selves. 
and, and sometimes, uh, not that we shouldn't change mistakes, but sometimes our, our mistakes become a distraction themselves because we get bogged down by them and cannot grow to the better thing that lies ahead. So our two scripture lessons are all about that this weekend. Uh, think about the gospel lesson first. It's, it's an interesting little thing uh, in that uh, I, I think when we think of what would be Jesus' one commandment to us or is the most important one, it would be this week's gospel lesson. And this interchange is found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It's, it's different in each of those gospels. In one case, um, someone else gives the answer, and then in two cases, Jesus is the one who gives the answer. But when asked what's the greatest commandment, Jesus' answer in Matthew's gospel is, love the Lord your God with all your whole heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. When you think about it, that's actually three things. Love God, love your neighbor, love yourself, because if you don't love yourself, you won't know how to love your neighbor. Now, there are a couple things that are interesting about that answer. As a result of uh, 2,000 years of Christian theology, we're kind of trained to assume that is the answer. The thing is, it wasn't a slam dunk at the time that Jesus gives it, because there are 613 laws of Moses. 248 positive things do this, and 365 prohibitions don't do that. And, and he hypothetically could have picked any of them. He most of all could have picked the first of those commandments, which is, the Lord your God is one, you shall have no other gods before me. Do not make a graven image for yourself of a God. That comprehensively is the first of all of the commandments. Jesus could easily have answered that within the context of the Ten Commandments. That clearly is the most important one. Within the context of the 613, however, Jesus uh, determines that that isn't the most important one, and he kind of cheats because he gives, he quotes two separate commandments. He quotes from Deuteronomy 6, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then he quotes from Leviticus 19, love your neighbor as yourself. But in all three Gospels, whoever speaks that answer, it is understood to be an appropriate and, and in all likelihood, the correct answer answer. This is the most important of commandments. And in the case of Jesus, it's the only one he gives us. You need to love God and love your neighbor as yourself. How are you doing on that? How distracted do you get from that? We live in a world of distractions. One of, one of the issues in the, in the context in which we live is that um, People have experienced a lot of material success, and material success leads to a lot of, in a sense, false distractions. And so it becomes very easy to treat God like kind of this, this friend who you're always waving to and saying, yeah, yeah, we got to get together sometime, we'll catch up sometime, and, and you never do it. And it's not because you don't appreciate the friend, but something else always seems to be more important. I think collectively, that's how we kind of treat God these days. Yeah, yeah, I'll catch up with you sometime, God, but, you know, all these other things are more important. And, of course, confessing our sins to a God who is gracious but does want us to be accountable to ourselves, if nothing else, there's nothing more important than that. Being grateful to a God who blesses us all the time with, with others in our lives, if nothing else. There's nothing more important to that. Uh, praying to God for guidance on how to be moral and ethical people in a world that's very confusing and scary, and, and praying for the strength not to be afraid, there's nothing more important than that. We, we, we do ourselves this huge disservice when we say, hey, God, you are awesome. We will catch up with you later. 
And then maybe even more difficult is the part of loving your, your neighbor as yourself because we don't love ourselves very well. I think we, we are out of balance in that frequently. Either we are overly self-absorbed and uh, treat ourselves in every possible way um, because we think things are so tough so we need more and more treats, uh, but that actually really just is kind of all about us. Or we kind of hate ourselves and, and uh, don't feel worthy, uh, don't feel lovable, uh, feel like in many ways we've left our, ourselves and God and, and others down, and, and so we, we have little patience for ourselves, and frequently we project that lack of patience onto others, right? <laughs> I mean, all of this stuff is so very real. Only when we are able to love ourselves, which means um, to recognize that we don't solve most of our own problems, that we, by investing in others and by being there for others and by actually giving up some things that are really important to us, that's the only way we can really love our neighbors as ourselves, is to truly treat them the way we're perhaps already treated. Uh, these things are difficult, but they are not impossible for us to do. And to do those things with an appropriate set of boundaries, to realize that we don't control other people's decisions. We can't be there for everyone all the time. Uh, we can only be there some of the time for some things, but when we do that, if we're all in, then, then, then that's love. Um, when you're all in, it's, it's love because it sacrifices with some measure of ease and it does so with a measure of joy and, and yet boundaries realizing that uh, we have to leave room for the other person and we have to leave room for the spirit. This is what Jesus longs for us to learn from today's gospel lesson. And, and I think Jesus does that because he, he knows today's first lesson as well which is the story of the end of Moses' life. And he's, he's led the people out of slavery. He's led them to Mount Sinai and the, and, and the commandments. And, and he's led them through the wilderness for, for 40 years. And, and now they're poised to enter this promised place, this promised land, which is where they had come from in the first place. And, and the idea that it would perhaps belong to one people is maybe at the roots of so many problems we still experience uh, to this very day. But, but theologically, I think we all get it, that there's this, in the, in the face of all of the obstacles and distractions you face in life, there is this place beyond us or, or between us or within us that we long to get to at some point, this promised land. And, and Moses doesn't get to enter it, but he gets to see it in all of its breadth and grandeur. This, then, is what the reign of God of heaven is like, and it's what the promised land is. It's a place in this life we don't get to completely, but it's there, and every once in a while we experience it because the love of God is real for ourselves, and we share it sacrificially and authentically and joyfully with each other. Maybe another thing to be distracted by in, in the year to come is that we'll have some pastoral changes here at Unity Lutheran Church. And that's going to be hard for me, and it's going to be hard for you, because you know I love you, and I think, you know, and <laughs> occasionally uh, maybe you reciprocate to that. I never want to assume that to be the case. But uh, we just know it'll be hard, and pastoral mural leaving as, as well later in the year. These things will challenge us. But they, they aren't a distraction, people of God. You know, transitions and comings and goings and, and, and new birth is, 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 is a part of who we are as Jesus' people, of good news. We are an Easter resurrection people. And, and so we just launch into the year ahead, loving our neighbors as ourselves and recognizing um, that in small and large ways, um, 
giving to each other, supporting each other, praying for each other, saying goodbye to each other, welcoming what lies ahead is exactly who we've been all along. It's who we are designed to be. We are reminded that the promised land is a place that you can look to and, and so easily be distracted from. But the living spirit of Jesus Christ, he's the one that is the difference maker in your life and mine and in the life of the world. Distractions on the way to the kingdom of heaven, to the promised land, they, they don't define us. Nor do the lake flies define us either. We finally got rid of every last one of them. And though I went to bed exhausted that night, the next morning I got up with a sense of profound accomplishment at having defeated them. <laughs> this, is, this is the smallest of things, right? Almost nothing. But a reminder of what lies ahead, which is good news.